What's going on, everybody? I'm Peter. And I'm Chris. And this is the Homes Real Estate Podcast. We service uh, all of Michigan here and can definitely hook you up with anybody in the Great Lakes region. We wanted to talk to you a little bit about different types of loan products today, whether you're a first-time buyer, a second-time buyer. Um, no matter who you are, you're always wondering, what's that? There's a lot of different loan products out there. Which one is the best for me? And before we dive into this topic, I just wanted to uh, make kind of a disclaimer here. Chris and I are professional real estate agents, but we are not mortgage lenders. Uh, which means that we're not going to have all the details on these products for, uh, so we're coming at them from kind of a real estate perspective. So when you are looking to buy, or if you need to refinance, uh, we can hook you up with a professional mortgage lender. They are, they are going to have all the details uh, and everything that you really need to know. Yeah, absolutely. Peter and I both ha have a, a very good group of, of some trusted, uh, trusted lenders that we've used in the past. And they give impeccable service to to our clients, and we've used them a lot. We know them, trust them, and you know we can send them your way. Yeah, we see every day. We see the value of having a good professional mortgage lender uh, that you know not just dealing with your bank, dealing with someone that knows you, knows your circumstances, uh, and and really can help you get to that closing table. So the first type of loan product we wanted to talk to is just a standard conventional loan. They have uh, minimum down payments of three percent. All the way up to how much ever you know percent you want to put down. But with the conventional, also they do have products out there where, where they can go in at one percent, mm -hmm. um, and, and they're doing a lot more things with the conventional to make it more appealing. Right, and so your minimum credit score there is a six twenty, um, but you are going to pay a, a penalty as far as your interest rate for anything below a seven twenty. So that's definitely something to look at as well. Um, you may have uh, what we call personal mortgage insurance if you have a less than twenty percent equity in your house. Um, and, and the good thing about a conventional loan, normally your rate's a little bit lower. Um, like I said, there is a little bit more of a down payment required, but also it's a little bit easier to get into the appraisal, isn't quite as involved as an FHA or a VA, uh, and so there are some benefits there as well. And now I, I've seen lately, we've had a couple strange ones come up that were similar to an FHA or VA where they're asking for a step to be a certain height or... Um, you know, maybe crack concrete, something that normally wouldn't show up, but they're getting a little more strict on those those appraisals as well. Mm -hmm. There's something really glaring. You know, if you're a seller, you might want to see if you can just get that fixed up before that appraisal happens. Yeah, and those are things, if you're looking to sell your home, we can certainly help you out with uh, what an appraiser might flag. Uh, one of the other great loan products out there, there's the FHA back to the uh, Federal Housing Administration back loan. That's a 3% minimum down. Um, there's... Uh, Minimum 580 credit score, which, um, which is pretty reasonable. And, yeah, and the debt to income ratio on that one is a little more lax. Mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's going to depend on your credit score. Also. Yeah, and the great thing about the FHA loan is, they said right now uh, you can get into a house pretty cheap, especially on a like if you're doing a HUD foreclosure and you're an owner occupant, you can get some additional concession money, um, and also a seller contribution to closing is a little bit more flexible than it is versus a conventional. So you can do up to 6% versus only 3% on a conventional. So there are uh, some, some benefits to an FHA. Of course, there's also downsides. You know, your interest rate's gonna be a little bit higher. And then, of course, as we just discussed, the appraisal's a little bit more stringent. They're gonna actually go up and check out a crawl space or an attic. They're gonna look for evidence of, you know, maybe like chipping lead-based paint or, or anything like that, anything that can affect the warrantability of the home. Right. It's not just strictly a value appraisal. It's also kind of a condition appraisal, like a mini inspection, if you will. Uh, so that is uh, the next one we want to talk about, too, is if you are a veteran uh, or you're active military, we want to talk about VA loans. The big benefit there is it's zero down and there's no personal mortgage insurance. Those are huge. 
Yeah, but you do have that that upfront fee that that goes on the VA loans as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, for our veterans, what a fantastic product to help them get in the house. Zero down now. Zero down does not mean you're coming to the table with no money. No, it doesn't. And we'll actually talk about that later in the podcast. We'll actually go through kind of what, and we actually have a, a specific closing cost podcast, but um, we'll, we'll address it in this one as well about what all goes into that. But the other thing that I want to bring up on a VA loan is I think it's very, very important on a VA loan that you're dealing with a lender that you can trust. Absolutely. You know, we've had so many issues because things go through the VA directly. So if you don't have somebody advocating for you there with the VA, it, you know you can run into some bumps in the road. Yeah, if you're dealing with a lender that, say, passes the buck from the beginning to end, and you're not dealing with the same uh, loan officer throughout the whole thing, you might find it a little bit more difficult and, and you know bigger headache than we we'd anticipate in a regular, um, you know, with maybe a local lender. Right. That that knows our market, knows how to deal with the veterans in our area. And, and just how to make it a better experience for you. Yeah, and again, 580 credit score there. So these are some pretty low credit scores that you've you know, been able to be approved with. So there's a lot of people out there that I think that are running that can actually buy. You know, you know, t- take a look at this, guys. If you're if you're thinking about this and you, you may maybe think you have your credit score is too low, it might not be. You know, down to 580. That's it crazy. That's pretty. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that's just amazing. Yeah, so guys, if you're sitting there running and you've got a 620 credit score, you've got a 600 credit score, guys, it's time to hop on this now. The interest rates are still low. It's time to, to buy. Um, the other one we want to talk to, this is a little bit of an unusual loan product, uh, but it's a USDA, so U.S. Department of Agriculture, backed loan called the RD or the Rural Development Loan. RD loans are great. Mm-hmm. For us in our area, most people are familiar with them because they're north of 26 miles. Yeah, so that's going to be your areas that uh, you've got a little bit more space between houses, a little bit more rural areas, and so it's designed to uh, for people that are going to uh, be homeowners and improve rural properties. Absolutely, and, and it's great. We do get a lot of clients that that they, they want to live on property. They want to they want to be in farm like settings or out in the woods, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. And it, it is again, I, I believe it's a zero down. It's a product. zero down product. Yep, and it's just. It's great to be able to help people that want to live out in the country. So the, the RD is really great if you're somebody young, you're somebody that's got some cash, but you don't have a lot of cash saved up. The RD is a great product, um, but the one downside of the RD is there is an income cap. So if you're married or you're a single person, the household income cap is $82,000. So it is for, uh, and I don't want to say lower income, but if you're making a ton of money, the RD, you're not going to qualify for an RD loan. Yeah, and we can't stress enough, the cap Eighty-two grand. Mm-hmm. There, there's no wiggle room. Yep. Um, and, and it's pretty straightforward. But if you're close to that, it's definitely worth a shot. Absolutely, especially if you're, you know, uh, a, you know, a single person or a single income family. Uh, you know, that's a, it's definitely a great way to go. So Chris mentioned this a little bit ago on what actually goes into your your closing costs. You know, when we say these zero down loans, it does not necessarily mean that you are bringing nothing to the closing table. And that, that's a tough one that we deal with on occasion because the first thing we have to ask for is the earnest money deposit. Wait, it's zero down. No. Mm-hmm. no. Okay, it's going towards your closing costs. And, and we're talking about um, taxes. Taxes in most areas in Michigan are paid forward. Yep. So we have to get that taken care of, at, you know, at the with the title company. Yeah, and, and most us. title companies require a year's worth of taxes in advance. And, and then, of course, your lender is going to have some charges that need to be paid as well. What can you expect on uh, as far as you know, money on on a closing cost on average. Total, I usually like to look at three and a half percent, and we come out 
pretty close. Yeah, and I think three and a half is a great number. If we're over, then then our, our buyers are, are happy. So right. the other the other factor is you also have to escrow a year of uh, years worth of homeowners insurance. So you know these are there are some costs involved even on a zero down. Um, you can get some seller contributions. Uh, most of these uh, loans allow either up to three or up to six percent seller contributions. That, that's a that's a good chunk of money even if. If you're looking at, at a $100,000 house, I mean, we're talking about a minimum of asking for $3,000 to help you out. Yeah. And that's, you know, we've, we talk about it in our offer podcast. There are ways of uh, getting a seller to agree to that by changing your offer. Uh, but I think seller contributions are really important. We're seeing them. I, I'm seeing on my first time buyers, probably about half of them are getting uh, seller concessions. A third half. Yeah. And it depends. When we're looking them up and we're doing comparables and stuff, um, we're seeing maybe one out of every four houses sometimes getting some sort of concessions. Yeah. Uh, most of the time they're not asking for a full three. No. And a lot of times we see a thousand, two thousand dollars. Sometimes we find that it's a lot easier just to ask for a, you know a flat sum of money instead of a percentage. Yeah. Because it looks more appealing to the person you're trying to buy the house from. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so let's talk too a little bit about what you need to bring when you're when you're thinking about getting this pre-approval here. You're thinking about talking to your lender. So the things you're going to need you're going to need W2s. You're going to need pay stubs. You're going to need your employment history for the last two years. They want to make sure that you're, you know, well employed. You're going to need bank statements uh, at least for the last couple of months. Uh, if you know statements, if you got 401k stocks, investments, things like that, and then tax returns is the other big thing as well. Absolutely. And don't be surprised if you get asked for things like uh, your paycheck stubs or or your bank statements again closer towards closing. You got to figure that these things are pretty fluid and they're going to change. If you're not in a salaried position and and your paychecks change week to week or every two weeks. Your lender needs to know that. Yeah. And so one thing that goes along with this is, big question we get is, can I get approved? I'm a 1099 employee. I'm a server. I'm a hairstylist. I'm whatever, and I get tips. <laughs> how about a realtor? Yeah. How about a, can I get approved? The answer is yes, absolutely. So what we're going to need to do is, and if you're thinking about buying and you are 1099, the biggest thing I can tell you is start claiming all your tips. Start claiming everything. You know, make that income look, you know, appropriate. You know, we I know we all try and... Uh, Maybe not cut corners, but we certainly try and make the tax system work in our favor. But you got to kind of hold that off if you're looking to get approved well, for mortgage. We definitely want to keep as much as we can in our pockets. And, of course, we're not tax advisors or anything like that. But if you want to get a loan for the house that you're dreaming of, you know, you have to do what you have to do. And, you know, it may take a tax hit. It may take a little bit you know, of a tax hit. So they're going to look at, if you're 1099, they're going to look at at least two years back. So to make sure that that income is pretty steady. So let's talk about two, you know, there's some other things that you need if you're going to do a VA loan. I know we've mentioned that earlier. <clears throat> and you're going to need a couple of things. You're going to need um, your COE, which is your certificate of eligibility from the VA. And then also you're going to need your uh, DD-214 or your DD-256. So those are something that every vet is, knows about, they've got hanging around. Yeah. Um, those are definitely things that you're going to need as well. So um, one of the other things, too, is during the mortgage process here, there are some things we always talk about not to do. So one of the <laughs> biggest things is I got my new furniture. Yeah, no new credit, guys. If you've got, if you're thinking about buying a car, if you're thinking about buying new furniture, you're thinking about buying that new fancy boat at the boat show here this weekend at Metro Beach. Don't do it. Wait until after closing. So Absolutely. please and please, for all things holy and sacred, do not bring us in your mattress money. Yes. It's really important that every single penny is accounted for in the transaction. And um, it could really hamper us getting to the closing table if all of a sudden ten grand in cash shows up. Yeah. 
and so we have no way to verify it. The, what the banks were, what Chris is talking about here is the the banks are going to want, even if you keep money in cash, which I know a lot of us do, um, make sure that you're depositing that money previously. We want to be able to account for that money. The bank wants to make sure that you're not taking out a loan from somebody else to pay for your down payment on this house. So make sure that you can have a paper trail tracing back your down payment if you've got any large cash deposits that you're dealing with. Um, the other thing too is, is if you can avoid it, uh, if you're thinking about a job change, try not to deal with that during the for a lot of reasons during the loan process. Oh, um, it can really goodness. delay things and it can really throw a wrench in the mortgage process. And uh, there's a lot of times if it's necessary because we do get a lot of transferees. Um, we do have ways around that. They're a little bit difficult, but mm -hmm. we're going to need letters from the employer and things of that nature. But if you can at any any reasonable rate not change jobs. Mm -hmm. That's hold off until after we close. It's, it's keeping these life changes to to a minimum are 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 definitely big. So the other thing too is we, while you're in this process, we want to make sure that we're getting things to the loan officers promptly. We want to make sure that we've got some of these things on hand. So once you pull out these W2s and these Social Security cards, everything that you need, try and keep them kind of on hand with you. Uh, you know, and you know, not physically with you, but you know, don't file all that stuff away because you, like Chris mentioned earlier, you might need it again. Um, they're going to ask for these things more than once. It's not that your loan officer forgot or lost them. It's that they want to make sure that things are the same as they were when you started the process. Absolutely. So, uh, like I said, if you were thinking about refinancing, if you're thinking about buying a home, come talk to us. We can hook you up with a awesome professional mortgage lender who can give you way more details than we can on all of these products uh, and they can give you details too on if you know there's some down payment assistance available there's Mishta there's some things too that are available for first-time home buyers uh, that those lenders can go into uh, with some more detail absolutely and you know we're, we're scratching the surface a little bit and I mean I'm sure Peter and I can go in and talk to us for probably an hour or so but these are just some of the basic things you're going to want to look at and think about when you are purchasing a home and talking to a lender in general. Yeah. So like I said, this is in no way comprehensive. Get on the phone, talk to us, talk to a local lender, uh, and they're going to help you out with, with everything you need to know. So guys, thanks so much for listening, and we will uh, see you next time. Take care.